This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Ah, yes, baseball is back now. Finally, the season is here. It took long enough, but gosh, finally, we get a chance to see some real baseball. Hello, everybody. I'm Trent Rush, and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, an opening day edition of the Angels Recap Podcast. Absolutely loaded show that we have here. A great conversation with Tony LaRussa, new executive in this Angels organization, uh, one of the great, greatest baseball minds of all time. Three-time World Series champ as a manager, won another one in 2018 as an executive for the Red Sox and is the third winningest manager in baseball history. He is going to be on the podcast today. On top of that, we're going to hear from Mike Trout. We got an update on Mike Trout's status. He is playing this year and maybe a few extra nuggets about uh, what's going on with baby Trout, including a due date, which we'll have for you uh, coming up on this show. We'll give you the latest on Anthony Rendon and how he's feeling. It sounds like he's not going to be able to play the first game of the season, but uh, just a true day-to-day kind of situation right now. And we know who's on the 30-man roster, and I talked with Billy Epler about so Joe Adele, who's not on the 30-man roster and what it's going to take uh, for Joe to get there. And I think some really good insight uh, from the Angels GM, Billy Epler, coming up on this show. But let's lead things off with number 27, who I think is giving us the best news of the week uh, so far. What's up, Mike? Just kind of curious about how you feel summer camp has gone in terms of the protocol and everything that you kind of had some trepidation coming in. How are you feeling about uh, how everything's going so far? Yeah, um, it's been good so far. Uh, obviously um since last time i talked to you guys um you know i was up in the air about playing obviously i'm i'm playing um it's definitely been great so far um not i don't think we had any positives we might have a couple early but uh you know guys been respectful uh, of others everybody's taking uh responsibility to you know wear a mask and you know social distance and just be safe and you know, we're seeing that the results are there. Um, just got to just got to pick it up and, and stay on it when we go on the road. You know, traveling, obviously, people say that traveling, you can get it uh, going to different cities, going into the dif- different cities where it's really, you know, bad right now. It's going to be it's going to be tough. So, um, you know, as of right now, everything's great. Mike, last time we talked, it just seemed like there was a lot on your mind, and it does sound like things have changed. But at what point do you feel like you were able to kind of put some of these external factors behind you and just concentrate on baseball? Yeah, um, I'm, I always can do that. Um, obviously, you're worried, um, 
you know, when you have a pregnant wife, um, you know, expecting at, at your house, you got to go see her every night, you know, you're coming home when coming home, you know, but spending time at the field all day with, with, uh, with people. So, and, and teammates, but, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest concern the whole time was if there's an outbreak, um, you know, obviously there hasn't been one yet or hopefully there isn't, but I think that's the, the biggest thing we had to talk about, you know, if there was an outbreak, it'd be, you know, we'd have to evaluate the situation and, you know, go from there. We got to do what's right for the family, but, um, everything's been great so far. And, I've been locked in on baseball. Um, it's a little different, you know, I, since last time I talked to you, seeing what we, what the protocols are and what we're doing. Um, you know, I was sitting in, in between innings the other night, I was sitting in the front front row of a, a stadium, not in the dugout. It was kind of different, but, uh, you know, I guess that's the new norm. So Mike Trout talked about his wife, Jessica, being pregnant and expecting that baby very soon. I know that it's like the whole world is watching for when is baby Trout going to come. And we did not get the scoop on the name. So I guess uh, baby Trout is still a player to be named later. Uh, The Trout say that they have a name, but it's like top secret. That said, we did get a little scoop on when the due date is. He's due first couple days of August. Uh, He's due to third. Um, But... uh... You know, we're just playing it by year right now. Uh, I don't think it it won't be that much longer after the due date um, that we'll wait. But uh, the way things are going right now, hopefully, you know, we see them in the next week or two. Uh, I'm hoping. But you know how it goes. It's all in uh, God's hands. So, um, you know, I just uh, haven't really thought of what it's going to be like because I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm anxious. I'm nervous. Uh, just I'm sure everything will go well, but I can't tell you like if I'm taking two days. I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. I got to play by ear. One thing we did learn is that Trout is not going to have to quarantine after the birth of his son. Uh, if it does come August the 3rd or whenever it is, uh, he's not going to have to quarantine again. Billy Epler confirmed that uh, Trout's going to continue to be tested during that whole time, so he's not going to have to quarantine after that. And as long as all those tests come back negative and all is good, he can rejoin the team right away. So that's a really good thing uh, that we heard from Billy Epler in that sense. I know there's just a lot of questions right now about all the rules and how this all works and you know Mike really not even being sure uh, how all of this goes but uh, we did get that confirmation from Billy Epler. Another thing uh, that's going to be a little disappointing about opening day is no Anthony Rendon and Joe Madden talked about his status right now. It sounds like that on Wednesday Rendon had felt the best he had felt uh, since suffering the oblique injury and it doesn't seem like it's going to take too long. The idea is he might probably face live pitching on Friday so that's good for Anthony Rendon and maybe he's back, you know, as soon as Saturday, maybe it's Sunday. Who knows? You have to see how he comes out of that and uh, where he is at physically uh, heading into the season. But hopefully it's not too long for Anthony Rendon. And this was Joe Madden talking about uh, how he's not going to play on opening day. He's still going through uh, the different treatments. Um, seems to be some progress being made. So as of right now, I'm st- he's, he's not going to play uh, the first game in open for sure more than likely may miss a couple, but we're not ready to uh, move anything further than that. Uh, We think he's on a pretty good path right now, and I still have to wait to hear from Adam. I guess what I'm trying to say is if we could just keep him active somehow 
and get him back sooner rather than later. We may choose to do that, but we haven't concluded. And there was a good question asked to Joe about Anthony Rendon. Because this is a shortened season, does that change how he manages an injury compared to how you normally handle it in a 162-game full season? Does that change the way uh, he goes about getting Rendon back on the field? You know, you don't want to you don't want to push a guy like this to the point where you lose him for the whole year either. It's pretty much listening to the medical guys plus, of course, Anthony. And like I said, the the word keeps getting a little bit better, incrementally incrementally better. Um, so I just think it's what is today, Wednesday, Thursday, <clears throat> by Friday, Saturday. I would anticipate a pretty good uptick with him. So let's just, from what I'm hearing, so let's just play one day at a time and try to get him back sooner rather than later which may, um, you know, cost us maybe one guy that we're not able to play during the first couple games, but the uh, benefits can exceed if we could just be patient. All right, so there you go. That's the latest on what's happening with two of the best players in all of baseball, and they happen to play for the Angels. Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon, great stuff uh, to get a chance to hear from those guys. Okay, this was a really, really fun and insightful conversation that I had earlier this week. I've been wanting to share this with you guys. Uh, actually, I've been wanting to have Tony LaRusso on the show uh, for a while, and uh, I was really excited to be able to have him here for this opening weekend to get things kicked off here to start the 2020 season finally and he is now an executive with the angels and is playing a very critical role uh with this club so here now our conversation with tony Larusa. well he's the third winningest manager in baseball history a three-time world series champion and member of the national baseball hall of fame tony Larusa joins us now tony it's great to get a chance uh to talk to you now that you've spent a few months now with this angels organization i just kind of want to know some of your thoughts on what you felt uh being a part of this organization now and what you've seen to this point uh well i have a lot of thoughts because we had the uh you know i joined them during the winter and was in as part of the meetings and towards the end of uh, the uh, 2019 season and in January, getting ready for camp. It's all camp one and now camp two. And uh, I think I'd start with the thing that excites me the most. And if I was a, an Angel fan, this would excite me. Uh, they have a true commitment to win. I mean, they are not in there just uh, put on the show. They 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 want they want to win. It starts at the top with the Yardie and. John and Dennis and, uh, you know, Billy Epler and his crew in the front office. Uh, and then I think they've done a very smart job. And even before I joined the club, when uh, I, I've run into Mr. Moreno several times over the years, when they brought Joe Madden back, and, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the Angels uh, because of the history that they used to, they've had as far as playing the game right and with Mike as a manager. Uh, he was a perfect guy to bring back and, and, and get back into the history of playing the game correctly all around baseball. So uh, I started from that place, you know, that yeah. the organization's got the right idea. And now that I've actually seen on the field Joe and an outstanding coaching staff, and you, you know, check that box. And last but not least, I've really been impressed with the talent, and including the pitching talent. So I'm excited. I think we're going to be tough to play against. 
Yeah, I know that fans haven't had a chance to see too much of the Angels to this point, but uh, as someone that's been at, you know, it was at a lot of spring training and summer camp all the time and seeing this team, I think that you're already starting to see many of the things that you're talking about. Tony, I'm curious for you, when you joined this organization and trying to evaluate things, and obviously last year was a disaster for the Angels losing 90 games, but you could see that there were some, you know, there was talent in the organization. What were some of the things that you kind of thought right away, hey, let's address this, and, and this can help turn this team around rather quickly? Well, the lineup was competitive, and uh, I think everybody, you know, even although you, know, you have a quarrel sometimes with the experts because you know, they're asking they're asking to predict things ahead of seeing them again, but the general feeling was that we had to improve our pitching staff, get it deeper, uh, and uh, and I agree with that. And you know the organization made a real effort to go after their goal, but uh, I think they use great judgment and great restraint, restraint in the sense that when Cole went to the Yankees. You know, they still wanted to be aggressive about making something happen. And adding Anthony Rendon, who is just, I refer to him as a Picasso with the, with a bat in his hand. I mean, he is such a beautiful hitter. And you put him into our lineup, makes it deeper and deeper and, and a healthy Otani. Uh, I think that's a heck of a start. So the next step then is get back to priority one with the pitching. And uh, what I've learned is and and it wasn't just me, but you know somebody new like Mickey Callaway, who's by the way has been outstanding as a pitching coach, and Joe seeing up close and personal. Uh, there's more pitching talent on this club in this organization than you know pe- the experts know about yet. So you know if the arms are there, it's just a matter of developing them into you know command and, and winning pitchers. So. And I'll add one more piece uh, because I had spent time in other organizations and evaluating others. You know, their minor league system is definitely producing some top-flight talent, uh, not just pitching, but look at the outfielders. My goodness, you know, this core of Marsh, Adele, Hermosillo, you know, Ward. I mean, these guys are really talented and are going to be impactful major leaguers. And, you know, know, Jemai Jones, I've seen a lot of them. And this guy's a player, so oh no, I'm you know very optimistic. Uh, I know we want to have a sooner rather than later, but uh, I like the approach in camp. Uh, Joe and the coach are really going at, at being fundamentally correct, and that's how you got That's how you win here. It's good to hear you say that, Tony, because I mean you talk about the coaches and bringing in Joe Madden and, and Mickey Callaway to help with the pitchers, and you know you're just seeing a very different brand of baseball being played by this Angels group than what we've seen uh, in recent years. So how much of an impact do you think that can have on a team as a whole in working on things like fundamentals? And, you know, Joe has been so big in his situational hitting and doing those kind of things. How much of a difference do you think that can make with the big league club? Well, I, you know, I won't hesitate to compare it to past Angel Club. Because, you know, Mike Sosha, you know, I'm a big fan of his. And he, for a long 20 years, showed – he understood the read of the whole game, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't. I wasn't around to watch Brad and so forth, but I'd rather compare what, what I'm seeing to what's been kind of dominating our sport on both leagues, and that's really an attention to big ball. You know, always looking for crooked number innings and not understanding the value of of you know manufacturing a run, uh, and that you watch games that are played. Close games, especially where there's good pitching, 
starting and relieving, you know, you do little things and it helps you do big things. So I, I really like the fact that we're going against the grain in that sense, uh, trying to play the whole game, the defense, the base running, and having hitters execute, you know, start a rally, get a guy over, get him in, plus, you know, an occasional long ball. And along with that, and this is important, you know, because of, you know, Billy Epler is very smart, just balancing the, uh, with the what the weapon is with analytics and the information can be very valuable as long as you don't let it overwhelm and take away from what happens during the game with the coach's ability and the man's ability to adjust. Sony, I, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this batting lineup. And I know that you talked about it a moment ago about how well Rendon can hit when you figure Trout and Rendon and Otani together. Uh, how does a, a trio like that compare to maybe some of the other top hitting trios that you've had throughout your career? Well, uh, to me, I'm excited and we've talked about it. If you really want to have some fun offensively and win a lot of games, on the offensive side now, you know, we, we talk, you separate because you got to stop the other club and catch the ball. But just on the offensive side, the really good offenses in either league are the ones that have a chance to score every inning. So it's not just having a couple of three, you know, four productive hitters. If you can have a threat, everybody goes to bat. And when I see the potential of the Angel lineup, you know, you're right now. You got me. You may, you may be having guys like uh, like Simmons and Goodwin hit, hitting in the back third. And from what I've seen with Castro and Stassi, you know, Stassi is a good look. Has really got a good stroke going. So I like the fact, you know, and you haven't even mentioned, you know, this young man named Fletcher. Oh, yeah. So I I really think that the potential for this team offensively is that every inning they come to bat. The guys are going to be up there taking tough at bats and can make a run or two happen. We've seen uh, and heard Joe Madden rave and rave about David Fletcher. And look, it's no surprise he's a fan favorite. It's easy to see why because he just does everything you want a baseball player to do. But when you see David Fletcher, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that, man. I would. I probably call you back if we get just to remind you. <laughs> uh, I, I have I have a history with the Angels in, in a really pleasant way. And that is that the uh, incredible David Eckstein, who was part of the 2002 championship, um, when he left, the Angels came to St. Louis and had the great good fortune of having him on our team for three years. In fact, he was the MVP of the 06 World Championship. So David Eckstein, to me, emulates you know exactly what you look for in a player every day, do anything you can to win, and, and really be – a productive, you know, defender, base runner, hitter. Well, as soon as I saw David Fletcher, I said, in fact, I, I actually called because he was in Pittsburgh. And I said, man, I just seen your twin brother. And he says, you mean David Fletcher? <laughs> he knew. David Fletcher is David Eckstein. And he probably runs it faster. He probably throws the ball a little, you know, maybe hits a little farther, but he's got the same heart and guts. And, and, and he will be... If he's playing out there by himself, he'd be fun to watch. 
No question. And he plays all over the place, which you know can add so much to an already pretty deep lineup. I want to talk a bit about another player that you had in St. Louis, one of the greatest hitters of all time that is now a part of this Angels organization, has been for a bit, and uh, you guys are reunited and talking about Albert Pujols. What has it been like getting a chance to reconnect with Albert in this way and uh, now get a chance to see him at this stage in his career? Well, we left the the uh, Cardinals to get after the 11 season. So, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't in uniform anymore, but whatever I was doing in the years up to now, uh, you know, I have followed the game and seen enough games and stayed very close. You know, Albert's a member of our brotherhood, of our family. And uh, it really pained me in many of the years to see him hampered, you know, with his feet, his knees. Uh, you know, I saw him, I've seen him and he's a very tough guy. He did it for, St. Louis too. You know, he plays with injuries. You know, hitting on one leg is no fun. And uh, last year he was. I saw him in spring training, and he was healthier than he'd been. You know, he goes out there and where he drives in ninety. And this year he's the same. He's healthy, uh, and he's one of the guys that's anxious to be what he's always been, which is help the team win the game. I know that you know there's always concern that he's getting older and how much can he play and all that stuff. But this guy is rises to the occasion, uh, and he's got a lot of pride. And when this team gets out there and you're competing against another side and you start talking about Trout and Rendon and Otani and, you know, up to whoever you want to talk about, you're going to talk about Pujols as well because he's just a, a winner and he's healthy. And to me, that's the biggest key. Yeah, 93 RBI last year, hit, what, 296 with runners in scoring position. It just seems like he has a knack to drive in runs, and that is the role for one of the greatest ever at doing that. Uh, what what kind of – what does that bring to a club? When you have Albert, it almost doesn't matter where he hits in the order. When there's guys on base for him to know that he's going to have that approach to try to bring guys in, you don't see that all the time in baseball nowadays. How much can Albert's approach help the team as a whole and, and maybe others picking up on that the thing that uh, that to me separated albert from a lot of stars you know all the 11 years with the cardinals and, and it's still there and listening to him and watching him albert plays the game understanding that it's his team against the other team and there's a score there's a winner and a loser so albert goes into every stinking game Whatever, if he's playing in the, in the field, he's going to try and make plays to stop runs. If he runs the bases to the, you know, the best of his ability, you know, he's a very aggressive, heady base run. But at the plate, he's trying to do whatever the scoreboard says with that at bat. Now, what that shows when your star player is playing the game to win, then that has a leadership by example uh, effect on everybody else. And he fits in right here with you know, guys that, that want to win, Albert plays each game to do whatever he can to win. I, I told uh, somebody yesterday in San Diego one of the things about Albert that I saw that I that you don't see too often. He could have an 0 for 4 where he would be upset and not be sitting on the bench upset and moping. If the game was close, he'd be in the top step as a cheerleader. I saw it. Well, he didn't go for 4 too often. But I always saw him cheering, pulling for his teammates, and doing whatever. And, uh, you know, you get a group of those guys, and Albert will be in that group. That leadership is contagious. And, and uh, in every really good situation, you've got outstanding manager and coaches 
But when they leave the locker room, you got those late team leaders that co-sign, reinforce it. That's what they do around here. You know, we're here to win the game. And uh, Albert's, Albert's going to be in that leadership group. Fortunately, he's got other guys right there with him. Yeah, a lot of leaders in this organization, which which is great to see, and I think that's something fans can be excited about too. Tony, we saw you, you know, in, in summer camp. I, I was sitting out there on right field so with my binoculars, trying to keep an eye on everything. But we saw you all over the place. You'd you'd be you know out on the outfield warning track at times, back behind home plate, watching everything that was unfolding. What were some of the things that uh, you were able to do in summer camp to, to help this team and be able to kind of watch? Like, what were the things that you were looking for? For that you could, you know, report back and just kind of, you know, give your opinion on? Well, my responsibility is pretty simple. You know, you you want to observe and you want to, you know, I mean, I've been fortunate. You know, I signed out of high school. I've never worked a day in my life. I've done something I love. So I've got 50-plus years of experience, and you want to observe and, and compare to what you learned. And the way you do that, you know, you got to get out there. You know, as often as I could, I went out to the bullpen, and that's why I can speak with, uh, you know, authority about my opinion. I watched uh, you know, Mickey Calloway. I watched Matt. I mean, these these two guys know pitching, and they're going to help put the pitchers in position to succeed. And then I watched, you got a great veteran third base, Brian Butterfield, who's, I mean, one of the great legendary coaches. The hitting coaches know what they're doing. So you go in the cage, and you, you listen, you observe, and then you, you know, it's building relationships, and I want them to, I want to have a relationship with everybody where they, they trust me to uh, just give an honest opinion. I don't have any agenda. I don't want anybody's job. just want to help. And so, you know, you walk around, and, and during batting practice when the coaches are out there shagging, you go out there and shag some home runs. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all fun. But, uh, you know, I tr- I'm, I'm there to uh, suggest, to give an opinion, and pers- maybe sometimes persuade. But, you know, I don't have the hammer. These guys are – the players play and the coaches coach and manager and – Billions group make decisions, but you know I, I help wherever I can. Tony, I introduced you as a three-time World Series champion, and that was as a manager. I apologize because you also were a part of the World Series championship in Boston just a couple of years ago. Um, what, what's the difference for you in the reward that you get from winning as an executive and having that kind of role compared to maybe as a manager? In what ways is it the same, and, and maybe in what ways is it different too? Well, that's, that's a good question. Probably should clarify my role with the 18 Red Sox. Uh, and I, and I used to kid myself, and pretty soon they started kidding me too. <laughs> you know, I was basically a cheerleader because from day one to the end of the World Series, you know, I would say, "Well, you guys are really good," and uh, I'm up to two bits, four bits, six bits a dollar. You know, it's pull for the Red Sox. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think what you understand when you go upstairs is that. It, it, it's 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 really difficult. I don't know. <clears throat> I couldn't have been an upstairs guy for very long because it's so frustrating not to be in the action downstairs where you can at least be hands-on. You know, you make a decision about who to pitch or your coach, how to clean a guy during the action because that's really where part of where you make your money is helping guys in the moment. And, you know, I missed that part of it and it's tough to be upstairs where you're kind of helpless. But, what you see is that everybody, starting with ownership, right through the front office, right through the player development scouting, coaches and managers in the big leagues, all you're doing very simply is trying to put the guy, your players, it's like, you know, like I've, I've said a couple of times to the guys, 
you know, most important people, MIPs in baseball, the fans, you want to entertain them with the way you compete and hopefully win enough. And the players, fans and players are what baseball is about. So what we all try to do is just put players in a position to win. And I just tell you, I'm excited to still, you know, be allowed to be close to an organization. Uh, it's, it's much more agonizing upstairs and much more fun downstairs. But I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to have this chance. You talk about the fans being, you know, the MIPs. Well, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, there's games going to be played without fans. Well, no, games without, played without fans in the ballpark. You know, lots of people are watching at home on TV and listening on radio and wanting to enjoy this game. Yeah, Tony, it's a unique year in so many ways. The 60 games, the new extra innings rules, the DH in both leagues. It just, you know, in your opinion, how do you feel about where baseball is at right now and what the 2020 season can be? Well, I appreciate this conversation, man, because you're asking a lot of the questions I think are the most relevant, most important, and that's that's one of them. Uh, like I was just having lunch with an NFL guy, and one of the things at this point is that we all try to get back on the field. You know, I have an NBA friend yesterday I talked to. And if you try – at least we're trying, but we're getting so close to actually getting out there and playing for real that uh, it's exciting to do the best that you can. And by definition, the issues with the virus and, and the discipline the players are going to have to use and everything, going through it all, it, it, it's, it's really one of the darndest challenges anybody's ever faced. But um, I, I, I think that our players and uh, you know really working – to get this up and shape and to me, you may not, you won't be in the stands, but you'll be listening on the radio or watching on TV. And I, and to, I think one of the most important things that we can do for the 60 games and then hopefully get in October is just communicate with fans about, you know, what, what's happening there. Because you, know, you can only see so much on TV sometimes, and you may not be able to watch how well the defense is doing or whatever. I think being able to communicate What's really happening besides just the score, I think will help fans be entertained and get involved. And, and we're all hoping against hope, man, that uh, we get off to a good start so that we're in right in the midst of a, a pennant race for October. There's no doubt about that. I think it's going to be a fun year. Tony, I can't thank you enough for joining us here on this show. I look forward to the day that we can actually have a conversation in person. Who knows when that's going to be. But uh, I really do appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Well, I just talked about communicating. So if you want me to do it whenever, just let me know. All right. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate right, it. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Boy, to get a chance to hear from a Hall of Famer like Tony La Russa, really cool to have him here on the Angels Recap Podcast. And, I, you know, I thought really good stuff, really good information on this Angels club and, uh, you know, his role with this team. I, I think that he's going to play a huge role for a lot of people. Just, you know, when you got that guy's eyes and ears in the organization and, you know, he can provide a voice to help uh, those that are making the big decisions, I mean, that, that's, that's an element that's irreplaceable. And I, I just think the whole 
whole organization is a lot better uh, for having somebody like Tony LaRusso, again, one of the greatest baseball minds ever uh, in this organization, in that house to help with decision making. I, I think that that is outstanding. And I'm so glad he talked about the leadership, too, because uh, that, that's a big difference with this club. You're seeing a lot of that now and uh, really encouraging there. Um, Angels GM Billy Epler uh, spoke uh, the other day, and one of the things that we talked about was the roster for this start of the 2020 season, the 30-man roster. Now, one of the notable names that is not on the 30-man roster is Joe Adele, and there are a lot of people questioning, uh, why is Joe Adele not there? What's going on? I thought he was going to be in right field. Just trying to sort out those questions. And I asked Billy Epler about Joe Adele and just his thought process on where Joe is at right now and and when he does maybe see him at the major league level. Yeah, our conversation with Joe yesterday um, was was really productive. Um, he was he was awesome and a- asking asking good questions and kind of stating some some goals that he has um, as well. And and uh, I you know I, I did tell Joe I said look you, you know your your bat in my opinion was even was even more impressive than I thought it was in Tempe. Um, but you know for Joe and myself. Um, we need every aspect of the game um, to be consistent uh, because I did, I did tell him, I said, when your when your time comes, like you're coming to play, you're not going to come up here and sit the bench. Um, so we need to be able to know that all sides of the, all sides of the inning and all aspects of the game, offense, defense, base running um, are, are, are completely tightened up. And uh, because we're going to, we're going to, we're going to count on you when you come man. And uh so uh, he, he knows, you know, like I said, he articulated the things he he's going to go work on and, and wants to work on. And um, I, I, I kind of challenged him. I said, force me to make the call, you know, force me to make the call. We'll be over there at Blair a lot, um, you know, between Steve Martone and uh, Mike LaCasa and Tony LaRussa going over there and looking at that group regularly and playing in those games, you know. I'm open-minded to grabbing anybody that cool that can help. Really appreciate that kind of insight and transparency from Billy Epler right there. I thought that was really good to hear that from him talking about Joe Adele. And I will just tell you, as somebody that was at camp every single day uh, from July 3rd on, I, I was there. And Joe Adele has a lot of work to do defensively. I mean, there were there were mistakes that he made. And you know, kind of like what Billy says, the bat is there. Like he can hit right now at the major league level. And, you know, you know, the way he hits the opposite field and, and you watch the ball come off the bat and, and the way that boy he can spray it. It's remarkable. Joe Adele is going to be a star in this league. There is no question about that. And it might be in 2020 that he emerges. And uh, it's just a matter of when that is. And I think that Joe is a really uh, intrinsically driven guy and I'm looking forward to seeing him you know maybe take on this challenge and, and credit to Epler too having that conversation with Joe to give him that confidence like dude it's up to you if you, if you want to do this and you want to get to the big leagues now well then show that you can have all those other elements show that you can play great defense show that you know what's going on in the bases and show that you understand all the situations and and you know the bar is just set so high for Joe Adele because he is one of these top prospects and you know you know maybe one of the top you know one or two best prospects in all of baseball right now the bar is so high for Joe Adele um, that we all have these expectations of instant success. And I, I think he's going to be afforded that opportunity, and, and the bat is real. That dude can swing it with the best of them, and I can't wait to see it at the big leagues. Uh, but you you 
you have to be able to have all facets of the game ready to go because every game is going to mean so much more in a 60-game season. You can't wait that adjustment period to learn about life in the big leagues when you're essentially in a pennant race with two months left in the year. Like That's the way you, you, this sprint is being viewed by the Angels. They're treating it as if they're tied for first going into August push into the finish line and uh, trying to make a playoff run. So I really like uh, that Epler also told him too, like, hey, you're coming when you come up, you're coming up to play. It's not to sit. And I think that could give him some uh, confidence too. And, you know, I, I think that's going to really, you know, help push Joe Adele a little bit more. Um, and as driven as he is already, I think that that might be maybe an extra nudge to say, hey, it's up to you uh, to, to force the hand to bring you up. And I think that's really exciting. And I think that's really good for all parties. Um, you know, Joe Adele, you know, for me, having really never spent an extended amount of time watching him, you know, getting a chance to see him for those two and a half weeks or so. I, I think that you could see that, you know, there is room to improve when it comes to defense and other things. But, you know, the the hitting is real. So that's a good sign uh, for sure. And, and I can't wait to see the day that Joe Adele comes up. And it sounds like when he comes up, he's going to be thrust right into the starting lineup and is going to play a major role on this team. And uh, the whole organization is going to be better for that when that does happen. All right, that's going to just about do it for us here. Here on this Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks to each and every one of you for sticking with us during this whole time when baseball has been away. It's been like 10 months since we've had a baseball game, and I am so excited. We got baseball back. The Angels up in Oakland this weekend, a four-game series. Andrew Heaney getting the opening day nod. How exciting is that? The first time in his career he's getting that. We'll see Bundy Saturday, then Shoei Sundays before Griffin Canning on Monday. And remember, you can catch every single Angels game this year on the home of Angels Baseball, Angels Radio AM 830, Terry Smith and Mark Langston back in the booth for another season. I had a chance to have great conversations uh, with them throughout this whole time, especially seeing them the last few days. I know that they are really fired up for this year, and uh, I am too. So have a great rest of your day. My name is Trent Rush, and thanks for joining us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Take care. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.